Hello, everybody. This is Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. I want to share a few thoughts that I've had uh, this uh, week's things that's something that I've been mulling over. I want to give you the setup, though. I was in the church meeting on Sunday morning, and one of our pastors, uh, he's over or, or participates with college and youth. He was teaching, and he was teaching from First Peter, but uh, as he began sharing or, or talking through his sermon, uh, he mentioned a passage of Scripture in Mark, and I'm going to share that passage of Scripture with you. And it was no more than a couple of minutes, I suppose, uh, but what he shared was just so interesting to me, and I'm always a thought looking for a word, a thought walking around looking for a phrase, and, and just the way that he constructed and, and shared that one sentence from uh, Mark caught my attention, and I may or may not missed his entire sermon. I'm not sure what his sermon was about. I'm going to have to go back and and listen to the sermon so that I can uh, catch it because I got tied up in that one sentence in Mark and the the thought that he teased out as he was moving over to First Peter. And so uh, I am going to share with you what I wrote out on Sunday morning. Uh, what I tend to do is I take notes and of course all the articles on our website, the ones that I've written anyway, they are my devotionals, and that is just one of the ways that I do my devotions. I I write. That's that's how I am. That's how I'm wired. Everybody's not wired that way, uh, but it does help me because as the as the words go from the brain uh, to the shoulder to the elbow to the hand to the keypad and come out on the screen through that process like a cow chewing the cud under a a shade tree in a pasture on in July. Uh, just that process of chewing the cud. And so I mull things over and I reflect. And and so he mentioned something. And of course, if you're always a, a thought looking for a word to hang on, well, uh, I like the words that he was saying. And so I began to bang out some thoughts on my uh, keyboard there in the church meeting. And, and what came out is an article that I want to share with you. Now, I titled it The Interplay of Truth and Freedom That Sets You Free. Now, what I want you to focus on are those two words, truth and freedom. There's a correlation. There's an interplay between the word truth and freedom. And, and when you get those two words, it sets you free. And I know that many of us struggle with shame and guilt and fear. We, we have insecurities and we want to be free from that. And, and that's why I, uh, the processor started turning when he read that sentence from, from Mark. And so I'm going to share that sentence with you. And then I want to share with you what I banged out on my keyboard on Sunday morning. Before I get into that, I do want to uh, share with you a note, a, 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 um, a review, I suppose, uh, on Facebook. A lady just found our ministry. Her name is Pauline, and, and she reviewed our Facebook page, which you can do that. Now, if you have something nice to say, then please uh, review our Facebook page and, and write something wonderful there, and hopefully the algorithms will see it and will 
want to want, want to share that with others, and other people will come to our ministry. But Pauline is new to our ministry, and, and she said this. She said, I can't say enough. In a world of trouble inside and outside, this genre has been invaluable. I now try to listen every morning as part of my devotion so that I can learn and allow the Holy Spirit to sharpen my knowledge and understanding in all areas of my life. I am still navigating the articles for counseling, such a great suggestion. Thank you for your faithfulness and shining God's glory for all to share and enjoy. Now, I thought that was just wonderful. And so we we took what Pauline said and we put it on our testimony page. Now, if you go to the bottom of our website, you'll see testimony. You can click on it and there are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of testimonies that people like Pauline that they have shared. Pauline, I assume that you're listening to this. As you say, you listen in the morning. And so I have called you out and I wanted to thank you for taking the time uh, to express appreciation and gratitude for uh, this ministry and the things that you're learning and the fact that you stumbled upon it. I'm very grateful for that. And Pauline, one of the reasons that I'm, I'm talking about this and and making a note to people to where all these other thank you notes are. These testimonies are on our website is, is one, so people will read them, but also we have a number of people that support our ministry. You see, Pauline uh, said that, or, or implied, I'm still not, well, she said, I'm navigating all the articles. Uh, they're free. Those articles are free, and we're very glad to do that. I thank God that we can do that. We can share Share our articles, our podcast, our videos. People can watch them. You can find them all on our website. You can find the videos on YouTube as well. You can find the podcast on many different platforms like Spotify, iTunes, etc. But all of those are free, and, and they go out into all the world. We are a missional ministry. I am a missionary in cyberspace, and we, we send our content out, and it lands in, it, it, on people's laptops or on their devices, and it makes its way to them like Pauline. And so one of the reasons that I'm talking about this is because I want our our supporters to know this because they are the ones that support our ministry financially and they need to hear from time to time what they are doing, uh, what their financial support does. Uh, because our business model, if I can put it in that framework, uh, is to give the product away. And so we're giving away our, our intellectual uh, advice, uh, our intellectual content, and, and people get it freely, uh, but of course nothing is free. And so I want our supporters to know that because of your support, Pauline has been stopped and She's consuming our content on a daily basis, and she has expressed gratitude for that, and our supporters need to hear that. And so I just want to, as Pauline has taken the time to thank us for what we're doing, I want to take the time to thank you who support our ministry uh, because you're, because of your financial support, we were able to reach Pauline, and a life is slowly being transformed, and I really want you to get your mind around that because that is a fantastic thing. We are a frontline ministry. We're on the front lines, and, and we're pushing 
bring this content into all the world to whosoever will. And it's very practical and it meets us right where our lives intersect, intersect with our uh, challenges and our relationships and our churches and it's providing it's providing that that spark of conversation that leads to transformation either personally or within our relationship spheres and so Pauline thank you uh, for writing and then also uh, for those of you who do support our ministry thank you so much because uh, you partnered with us to uh, impact Pauline's life and so I would love for you just to take time right now to pray for Paul and the hundreds of thousands of other people that peruse our content every single month. Now, let me get back to my apologetic as I was supposed to be listening to the sermon on Sunday morning, and I'll probably send the uh, college pastor a a note apologizing, confessing uh, that I didn't quite make it through his sermon, but it's his fault because uh, he he had something uh, so winsome and dynamic that he was sharing that uh, my thought latched onto it, and I began to write this uh, about what he was sharing. And this is the big idea, that there is an interplay between truth and freedom, as I was saying earlier, and that interplay dynamically changes your life. The more the truth of God's word anchors you, and that is key, the moorings of Christ, the more that God's word anchors you, here's the other big word, the freer you are. Now, our example always is Jesus Christ. He was supposedly, uh, I, I won't argue the point, the freest man ever to live. What I mean by that is that people's opinions did not manage him or people's opinions did not entangle him because the truth of God's word ran surveillance over his mind. Now, I am not suggesting when I talk about people's opinions not managing or entangling, I'm not suggesting that he dismissed views of other people as though other people did not matter, but Jesus weighed all opinions by the ultimate truth. This process of not letting other so-called truths, people's other truths that we know really aren't truths, but this process of not letting other so-called truths manage him is what made him free. And again, that's the interplay between truth and freedom. The more you are anchored by the truth of God's word, the freer you are, meaning that you are not managed by other people's opinions. Now, here is the sentence uh, that the youth pastor, college pastor, shared with us. And then he teased it out just a little bit as he was making his way over to First Peter but that's where the world stopped for me. It's Mark 12, 14, okay? And here is the sentence. It goes like this. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. Now, it's interesting that they would make this commentary about Christ. They studied him. They observed him. And they knew that he was 
true. And he is true. He is the truth. He is the the life. He is the way. And they began to perceive this as more brushstrokes were going on the canvas about Jesus's life. People began to observe something otherworldly about him. And so they came to him and they said, we know that you are true. Now, isn't that the way that we want people to perceive us as they observe us as more brushstrokes go on the ca- on the canvas, say, hey, we know that you are true. How would they know that we are true? Because our lives line up with God's truth. Those things are interchangeable. Being true, the ultimate truth, and God's truth are one and the same. And they begin to observe Christ, and they said, teacher, we know that you are true. That's an excellent commentary that I I would hope that anyone would make about me and, and you as well. And then they continued to thought, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. Now, the implication here that there is a, there's an implied correlation between truth and freedom. He was not tied again. He was not bound to people's opinions. Because he's true, he is free. The key to freedom is to have God's truth manage us. Maybe that's the simplest way of saying it. If his words, if God's words, if the Bible is what I'm talking about, if his words do not steer our minds, something else will. Our minds are not vacuous caverns, but they are spaces filled with thoughts and ideas and imaginations and wishes. For example, an addict, a drug addict, is under the management of how to acquire a fix That is his truth. That is his reality. His truth, what he believes, is that a fix is all he needs. And it drives him to figure out how to secure the next high. Is he free? He's not free because he is is tied and bound to an untruth, but it's true to him in his thinking, in his imagination. This is true. This is what I need to feel better. The dark turning of his mind builds an indomitable worldview for relationship building. Will they give me what I want? I mean, that is his presuppositional worldview to build a relationship, to get something from someone, specifically another bump. That is the truth in which he lives. The truth is the attic exchanges the truth of God's word for another truth, another reality that is amenable to his ravenous heart. He latches onto a lie, not truth, but to him is his truth. But he latches onto this lie and it drives him to bondage, not freedom, but in his addictive and twisted way of thinking, he operates under the premise that his truth will set him free. If I can get another fix, I will feel better. Now, most of us are not addicts like that, but we have been under the tutelage of other oppressive and manipulative false claims that led to such things as anxiousness, fear, insecurity, and self-doubt, rather than the freedom that we hoped would happen to us. 
And we did not make it to freedom. We were not free because we really were not operating under truth. It was a false truth. Through years of training outside the influences of God's word, our truth, our false truth, it convinced us of of the need to please ourselves through self-reliant means. And like the addict, we were not free because self-reliant truth that, that might be motivated by a sincere desire to survive, to be free, ultimately it is not God's truth. God's truth sets the captive free. Whatever truth that was managing us, that was outside the confines or the environment of God's truth, that we latched on to only led to further enslavement. Now, there are many other examples of distorting truth for a perceived good that ultimately backfires. Probably the most common one is anger. The angry person believes that if I go off on someone, then I will be able to get what I want. It will lead me to freedom. It will lead me to a desirable outcome. And so the angry person has a distorted truth, and they go off on someone trying to control them or control the outcome. They are exchanging. What they need to do is to exchange that truth, that false truth, for the truth. That's the problem with the angry person. They are holding on to a truth that ultimately, hopefully they will see that this is actually a lie. And so I need to exchange my truth for the truth of God's word. Any of us can believe a lie, thinking it is true in the moment. Here's the irony. God will permit us to pursue our truth all the way to jail. And that was my story. As many of you know, I ended up in jail when I was 15 years old for five days. I believed many lies. The accumulative effect of the environment in which I lived that was outside the confines of God's word, it began to shape and mold my mind to into a self-reliant way of living, latching on to what I thought were truths, And I acted out on those truths, which were lies, and it landed me in jail. Now, as I reflected back on it years later, I saw jail time as God's mercy. That's why I say there's irony here. Ironically, God will permit us to to continue to exercise our truths until we get to that that irreparable position to where we can't extricate ourselves from what the accumulative effect of our decision-making has led us to. My truths did not set me free, but the consequences of my truth did convince me that there has to be another truth out there somewhere. To get out of those dire consequences, I had to exchange my truth for the truth of God's word. Jesus, on the other hand, spent his youth growing up in the knowledge of the Lord. As you read in Luke 2, 52, 
He had latched onto the truth early. And unlike the distorted truths that I have been illustrating with the, with the addict and with the angry person and even with my own life, Jesus trained his mind to stay dialed in on God's word, which gave him otherworldly clarity. He continued to feed his psyche, his soul, with God's truth, which slowly annexed more of his mind. He was intentionally brainwashing himself to the point where people would come up to him and say, we know that you are true. It was coming out all over him. He could not keep it hidden any longer. And they further surmised, because you are true, You don't care about people's opinions. You are not managed by other people. You're managed by God's word, which is the essence of complete freedom. Do you see the connection between the management of God's truth and the lack of management from other people? For those who want to live in this kind of untethered freedom that releases them from the management of others, they must begin a systematic, methodical training regimen that shifts whatever false truths they believe to God's Word. A growing freedom will begin to take root, springing up into newfound courage that weighs the culture's version of reality on the scale of God's word to see if there is any merit in people's opinion or the culture's reality. God's word breaks through the fog, shining the light into our former darknesses, our former truths. Now, Peter talked about the maneuver of exchanging false truths for being true like Jesus when he said this. I mean, I did listen a little bit to what the pastor was saying in 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter 1.22, you have this sentence. Listen to this sentence. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, Now, this is what Jesus did. This is why they said he was true, because he was growing up in the knowledge of the Lord in Luke 2.52. He was purifying his souls by his soul, by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Peter went on to say, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And so as we purify our souls by the obedience to the truth, as we saturate our minds and submit ourselves to the management of God's truth, it begins having an effect on us to where we have a clarity to know how to live in a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And so we're no longer controlled by the opinions of other people, but now we are in the active voice. Now we can move out toward loving them, not managed by them. We can love them earnestly from a pure heart because we purified our souls 
by the obedience to the truth. The more we purify our souls by being obedient to God's word, the more we experience release from self-protective, self-centered, self-reliant fear that is always observing, measuring, and responding to ourselves as though we sit at the universe's core. We become less concerned about ourselves, and we have a growing appetite to focus on others, adjudicating their needs through the filter of God's Word, and we respond accordingly, either comforting or confronting or some other appropriate response because we're not managed by them because we have, we have submitted our souls to God's truth. Because Jesus was free from the opinions of other people, he could adjudicate the needs of other people, but his freedom was proportional to his maturity in God's word. He knew how to think, he knew what to say, he knew how to act. How cool would it be to no longer be under the spell of people's opinions, free to make biblical judgments about others and react to them according to what they needed or what the situation demanded? If you can see the interplay between truth and freedom, then may God give you an appetite for his truth or maybe more of an appetite because you already have an appetite for his truth so that you can experience the benefit and the pleasure of untethered freedom. That has been one of my longest standing prayer requests. Because as I see Jesus in the Gospels, I see a man who is untethered by people's opinions. I I have said that for years, long before our college pastor mentioned it on Sunday morning. He's the most untethered man that I have ever encountered through literature. And I want to be like that. And we see in Mark's little sentence there that I've been sharing with you that there is a correlation between God's Word and that freedom. And so the more that we grow and mature in God's Word, the more, the freer we will be. So here's the question for you. Do you see how God's truth empowers you to disconnect from any unsavory, controlling interest while simultaneously releasing you to serve others in redemptive ways. Do you see that? I've tried to make a strong case. Question number two, do you want to enjoy this kind of freedom? Now, if you do, then I want to wrap up here by by giving you a seven-step process to where you can mature into this kind of person that they were observing Jesus to be. We know that you're true and you're not managed by people's opinions. And so if you're interested in that, well, one of the things I would ask you to do is, is that you can go and read my devotional. I just shared it with you, what I banged out on my keyboard Sunday morning. Well, here it is. You can, you can go to our website and, and, and look for the title, The Interplay of Truth and Freedom That Sets You Free. That is the title. And you can listen to the podcast. You can watch the video that has been 
produced. You can read the entire article. And then when you get to the bottom of it, that I, I would love for you to, to take a look at these seven steps. I'll share them with you right now. Step number one, answer this question. What controls you or what influences you? What do you want more? People's approval or God's favor or something else. Now, whatever the answer is, that's the answer to the first question. What controls you or what influences you? What do you want most of all? What I'm asking you to do is to think about your animating center, the thing that revs you up. Now, of course, you know your answer must be God. That, must, that is the right answer. But if God is not our animating center, then our lives will always wrestle with competing, non-satiating soul noises while shalom just claws at the door of our heart, unable to, to come in or to intercede. And, and so step number one I want you to think through, reflect upon what is your animating center. And maybe there's some work there. Maybe maybe God is not sitting on the center of it all. Step number two, how badly do you want God's word to control you, to manage you? The answer to this question will determine the outcome of the process that I'm laying out for you. Now, I, I would appeal to you not to answer my question impulsively, but reflectively as you count the cost and assess your desires. The impulse to this question is how badly do you want God's word to control you? I want God's word to control me. That could be impulsive because the truth is you want to count the cost because for God's word to control you and to to live in that kind of freedom, then you are not managed by people's opinions. For example, there are many other things that will happen to you if God's word is controlling you, but uh, that will take a a huge amount of courage. And the truth is, uh, many of us are afraid to have God's word to control us because there is an incredible cost for Jesus. It cost him his life, the 12 uh, disciples, it cost them their lives, 11 out of 12. Uh, and John was severely punished for choosing to follow Christ and submit to God's word. And so when I ask in step number two here, how badly do you want God's word to control you? Don't answer impulsively, but answer reflectively. Step number three, make a pre-commitment for the process that I'm laying out for you. Make a pre-commitment for the process of loving God and his truth more than anything else by telling someone what you're thinking and what you plan to do about walking someone through these steps. A pre-commitment is is letting someone in on what you plan to do before you do it. And that's important. I hope that you will remember the term pre-commitment. You see, the temptation would be to make a commitment to the Lord, and it's just between you and the Lord and nobody knows. And when things get difficult and when push turns into a shove, then we renege on our commitment to the Lord. But a pre-commitment of telling at least one other person might be the impetus to move you forward. That is step number three. Step number four, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. 
Step number four, study Christ in the Gospels. Now, this is the assignment. Now, if you work through these first three question sets that I've been asking, this is the work right here. Study Christ in the Gospels, specifically his interactions with others. Watch him. Read the four Gospels, the content in red specifically. And, and watch his interactions with others, especially his adversaries, because he was true and he was not managed by people's opinions, and it's our adversaries uh, that can really trip us up. And so as you study Christ in the Gospels, what do you see him doing? Why did he do it? What did he resist? What would you have to do to be like that? What could you apply practically or how could you apply practically the life of Christ to be a person? Uh, how could you apply practically the life of Christ to a person or situation in your life today? And so that's the heart of this discipline that I'm offering to you, to be true and not managed by the opinions of others. Step number five Continue this study process of studying Christ, reflecting and, and applying. Even if these studies become a background discipline that you continue to do while you're doing other studies, let the study of Christ be an, on an endless loop tape of a study regimen in your life, even as you go to another Bible study, even as you do small group, even as you do life, reflect on Christ. The goal here is for the impulse of Christ to be yours, like kinesthetic memory. You know, you type without looking at the keys, you ride a bicycle without looking at your feet. You just do it impulsively, like muscle memory I'm talking about. But this is spiritual muscle memory. That is the goal, that the impulse of Christ be yours. Step number six, then test the process that you're in, this training regimen that you're in. Test the process by assessing frequent interactions with others to measure your transformation to what you're seeing Christ do in the Gospels. And so every now and then you'll be in a situation where you can assess how you are doing, how this endless loop tape of ongoing study of reflecting upon Christ and watching him in the Gospels, how it is beginning to take over your life, how it's beginning to annex your mind, and now you're having the mind of Christ more than whatever false truths you were formerly embracing. Now, you might not see immediate results, but consistent assessments will reveal positive progress over time. And then step number seven, finally, keep your friend informed. You remember pre-commitment, not just between you and the Lord, but between you and another person. Keep your friend informed about the work the Lord is doing in your life. The title of what I just shared with you again is the interplay of truth and freedom. And the more we mature in truth as we emulate the life of Christ, the free, the freer we will be. And so all apologies to our youth pastor who, it's your fault, you shared a wonderful nugget and I just went off on a tangent. I'll come back and I'll listen to your uh, entire sermon later. If we can serve 
serve you, help you in any way, please let us know. Pauline, thank you for your kind note on Facebook about our ministry supporters. Thank you uh, for helping us to reach Pauline. God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.